Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. See how, see how the Lord have a sense of humor? I was making fun of the people, what was it, last week, the week before, who had the cold and all that stuff, and all of a sudden they show up on our doorstep. And now the Floridians look like New Yorkers with their, <laughs> with their you know, winter clothes on and all that stuff. Yes, when it hits 44 degrees in South Florida, we consider that winter. I know for everybody else, it's, you know, it's something below zero, but for us, it's, it's winter, but fortunately, it's only going to last a day or two. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Well, again, we've been in a series that we've been calling First. First. Mainly because that appears to be a driving factor for many in our culture today. We've got to be first. We've got to be the best. And the challenge that we've been putting forth in this series is what if we took that same zeal and applied it to our walk with the Lord? Come on, somebody. What if we actually made him a priority in our lives on the daily? The Apostle Paul told us that if we're going to run, he said, run to win. In other words, do whatever it takes to be successful with your Christian walk. Come on, somebody. Now, many, again, they apply that first principle to other areas in their lives, their careers, their homemaking, their health, their studies. But when it comes to their walk with the Lord, not so much. Concerning the things of the Lord, some people have what I call, what I call spiritual ADD, or a.k.a. squirrel syndrome. It doesn't take them long to lose focus. In fact, some people, even as I'm speaking, they're starting to check out on me. Turn to somebody and say, don't check out. Some people blame their lack of zeal and or their attention on not enough time in the day. But the truth is, as we've been stating all along, that you make time for what's important to you. Come on, somebody. You will make time for what's important to you. And so we, so we are... We are challenging everyone this year to to push Jesus and his agenda, his desires for our lives to a higher place on our personal list of priorities, even on your so-called New Year's resolutions. For some of you, it's, you know, it's how much weight you can lose and all this other stuff. I mean, what, what, what do you have to lose if you don't prioritize the Lord this year? For some people, it's, you know, what you've been doing ain't working. <laughs> and so let's try something else. Amen? Let's start to put him first. And, and so far we've talked about uh, making him our first priority and what that looks like and, and the benefits of, of, of that happening. Matthew 6.33, Jesus speaking, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and, and, and his righteousness. And he says, And all these things will be added unto you. Does, does God tell lies? No, he, he, he can only tell us the truth. He says, if you want to get your needs met, he says, put me first. He says, basically, he says, he breaks it down so beautifully in that scripture, in that passage. He says, um, 
the things that you're looking for, clothes and food and all these other things. He says, your father knows you need these things. So he says, make me a priority in your life, and I, and I will make you a priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Last week we said, don't forget, in the book of Revelation, he said, don't forget your first love. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you, Revelation 2.4, that you have left your first love. In other words, there are people who honor God with their lips, but the truth of the matter is their hearts are far from them. They go through the motions. They may even show up at church, throw a little bit of something in the, in the, in the, you know, the offering box, but the truth of the matter is their heart is far from them. And so he calls us back at the beginning of this year to a personal relationship with him. And this morning we're going to now look at, we looked at first priority, we looked at our first love. Now we're going to look at what the Bible, what, what, what first place looks like in the kingdom of God. First place looks like in the kingdom of God. Because in God's kingdom, you might be shocked that it's not what society teaches. It's not what society teaches. Oftentimes, Jesus would take what was commonly known and believed, and he would flip it on its head. He said, he said you have heard that it was said you shall not commit murder. But then he turned around and said, but if you have hatred toward your brother or your sister in your heart, it's the same spirit operating. Come on, somebody. He says, he says, do not, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But if you look at someone with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. He, tell, he tells us to, to bless those who curse us and to, and to love our, our enemies. Now, honestly, who blesses those who curses them, who prays for their enemies? So I, I know what some of your prayers look like. Lord, bless them with a brick. Bless them with a sore throat. Bless them with another job because you don't want to deal with them on a daily. But that's not what he meant. <laughs> he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek to turn the other. One guy said, that's, that's okay. I've only got two cheeks. He says, Peter, thinking himself spiritual, he says, Lord, how many times shall I, if my brother or sister sins against me, how many times should I forgive them? And then he came up with this magnanimous number. Seven times? That's, that's one for every day of the week. And Jesus turned around and said, no, I don't say to you seven times. I say 70 times seven. Uh-oh. But then we got the legalist in the room that says, okay, 70 times 7, that's, that's 490 times. 491, they're going to get it. <laughs> but I promise you, that's not what he meant. Come on, somebody. Well, today's message is along, is along the same lines of him saying things that, that kind of flip things on its head. In Mark chapter 9, verse 33 he says, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. <laughs> now listen to me. We always say, you know, we need to get back to the old church and how the old church used to run. I promise you the old church had the same problems that the new church has. They had issues. So that's what they were discussing. Which of them were the greatest among them? And so he sat down 
And he called his 12 disciples over to him and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Getting quiet in here. He said it again just one chapter later. Mark chapter 10, you'd think they'd learn their lesson, but no. Mark chapter 10, verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Now understand what they're asking. They believe that Jesus is going to overthrow their Roman, they're under Roman rule. So they believe that they've got in on the ground floor of an insurrection. And they are now, you know, they are basically operating with the king. So once he sets up his kingdom, they want to be able to sit on the right and on the left. Now, who sits on the right and the left of the king? People in prestigious positions. They wanted the seat of power. This is their request. Now, watch this. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? And are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we're able And then Jesus told them, being a prophet, he says, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Verse 41. And when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, again, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials, flaunt their authority and over those and under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he says in the kingdom of God, he's proposing a totally different model from what we see happening or maybe experiencing in our world. In our world, we have CEOs, we have presidents, we have directors and supervisors, and under them, you know, we will have the the people who do the work. There's a chain of command. But Jesus says in his kingdom, if you want to be great, listen to me, whoever wants to be great, he says, whoever wants to be first in his kingdom, the first must be last. And you've got to get to a place where you develop a servant's heart. And he gave himself as the prime example, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, we know that it's on one of these occasions that Jesus, uh, on the eve of his own crucifixion, took off his outer garments and he got on his hands and his knees and he assumed the position of a servant and he washed the feet of his disciples. 
Now, mind you, their feet weren't like ours where we have these nice, comfortable shoes. The roads weren't like ours where they were paved. They were dirt roads. And in those days, there was a servant person designated that when someone came into the house, that they were going to wash the feet of the people. You took off your shoes, and they were going to wash their feet because it was the dirtiest part of your body. This was the position of a servant. And that's what Jesus did. So this year, listen to me, God is calling us all to be first place in his kingdom and to understand what it means to take first place in his kingdom because if we're going to take first place in his kingdom, we are going to look for opportunities to serve. I'm going to give you five ways that we can do that this year, that if we are going to become God's servants and and assume first place, five things that you could and should do. Number one, God's servants will put others' needs before their own. Others' needs before their own. Now, I know this is easier said than done, but that's probably the very definition of a servant. Philippians 2.3 through 8 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, help me out, somebody, value others. Help me. Is it up there? Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. One scripture says he emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even obedient to death, even death on a cross. Folks, Servants serve people. And the Bible says, again, he gives himself as an example. The writer of Hebrews gives, or Philippians gives Jesus as an example. Him being in the very nature of God, the fact the Bible says he's not just a king, he's the king of kings. He was in the position, of, uh, he stood on the right hand of the Father. But he emptied himself, and he did not consider, you know, his position. Uh, 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 he, what does it say? He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, and he became a servant. And in becoming a servant, because there's a call in his life, and the call in his life was to be the sacrificial lamb for every single one of us, he became obedient even to obedient unto death on a cross. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. Now, secondly, God's servant will, write this down, will leave room for God to move. Now, let me explain. The servant of God needs to leave room for him to possibly interrupt our day. Now, I have a pastoral call on my life. I've I've kind of known it from when I was young. Uh, people and even perfect strangers from time to time 
would come up to me and just start pouring their hearts out to me. And what should probably be a five-minute stop at a gas station or wherever I'm at turns into a pastoral counseling session with perfect strangers telling me, <laughs> telling me their stuff. And, and, and so over the years, my wife has had, had, and my children have, got, have gotten used to it because I would literally at a gas station and somebody would come up and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a counseling session or, 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 or something along those lines. Now, my wife has a gift in calling hers is, is more highly administrative. That, that girl could dot her I's and cross her T's. But again, she's learned that because of my call on my life that there may be delays and it's okay with her to wait because of what God might be doing. Every single one of us, listen to me, every single one of us have some kind of gift, some, something that God has put in you that he wants to use so that you can reach other people for him. But if you're going to, if, if it's going to be activated and be useful in your life, you've got to leave room for God to move in those areas. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says a spiritual gift is given to, what does it say? You may not have thought that you have a gift. But the Bible says every single believer, God has given a gift so that we could do what? Help ourselves. I need to know if someone's paying attention this morning. So that we could do what? Help each other. You've been gifted. You've been talented and gifted for the purposes of helping someone else. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. And each person is dispersed, each gift is dispersed, not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. That's why we need each other. That's why opting out of uh, of regular fellowship with one another deprives you of being, getting blessed by a gift that God is bringing through someone else and, de and deprives someone else from being blessed by whatever gift God has given you. Does that make sense? So everyone has a gift to be used by God to, to help people and to build this church. My question to you this morning is, are you allowing God to use that gift in you and are you leaving room for God to use it in service of others? Sometimes the scripture says we entertain angels unaware. That God will send, send people into our midst, angelic hosts into our midst to kind of test us to see what we are going to do. Now watch this. Hebrews 13.1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters and don't forget to show hospitality to who? Strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. 
I remember early on uh, uh, when I got ordained into the ministry, I was 30 years old, and we had our ordination. We had this big banquet afterwards, and all my friends and family supporters, we filled up the banquet hall, and there was food, and they were you know, celebrating uh, that Pastor Rick has answered his call on that, on that day, and, and, and everything was going great. And then, off, uh, then all of a sudden, someone comes in from outside off the street, and he looks like he's a homeless person. And so automatically, some of the guys got up, and they went over to him, and I heard this commotion going on. I'm sitting at the head table, and I said, what's going on? Well, this, this guy's come in, and he, and he says that he's hungry. Should we just let, set, show him out? And then, and then all of a sudden, that scripture popped into my head. Uh-oh. I said, we are not going to show him out. We're going to show him to a table, and we're going to feed him. And they looked around, and every table was packed. And I had just finished eating. So I gave him my spot, and I let him eat, let him eat his fill. Now listen to me. What was, it, what was going on in the back of my mind? I, Lord, are you sending us a test here? Because I don't want to be kicking out someone homeless person that you have disguised an angel as a homeless person. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to show hospitality to strangers. The Scriptures literally says show hospitality to strangers because you don't know whether you are entertaining angels unaware. We have to leave room for God to interrupt our day. That's what a servant does. Does that make sense? Third thing brings me to the next characteristics. Someone who's going to develop a servant's heart for God is going to learn to accept one another. Galatians 5, 13, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to help me, help me, to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So the Bible says, that, that we are supposed to use our freedom, not again to serve ourselves, but to serve one another. But it also says it seeks to, a servant's heart seeks to get along with the people around you. Now again, we live in this world where I believe Satan, the Bible calls him the, the God, liturgy of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to divide and you don't have to look very far. I mean, just over the last two years, what's been going on in our nation? What's been going on all over the world? He's trying to divide us. He's trying to divide us along race. He's trying to divide us along status. It's this stupid woke agenda that's out there. He's trying to divide us. He's trying to pit the rich against the poor. He's trying to pit males against females. And now the stupidness and the foolishness, of they can't even figure out, you know, who's a man and who's a woman today. They're trying to convince you that a, that a man can have a baby. It's a lie. <laughs> But they're dividing you. The moment you say it's a lie, oh, you're a homophobic or you're transphobic. No, it's foolishness. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. But the Bible says, listen to me, when they're trying to divide you along all these lines, 
back in the, when, they, when all this nonsense was going on, like, listen, I've been saying all lives matter for 30 years since I've been preaching the gospel. And that hasn't changed because Jesus died for all lives. Amen? He died for every single one of us. Now, I always tell people that if you have a problem with people who don't look like you, you are going to have a problem going to heaven. Because heaven is filled with people who don't look like you. He says, from, and don't sound like you. They, they, they don't all speak English. They don't even all speak Spanish, believe it or not. I believe the language in heaven is going to be patois. <laughs> Could you imagine? The Bible says from all tribes and all nations, the heaven is going to, God's got people from all tribes and all nations. That's why I love our church, because we got people from everywhere. And so it behooves us that if, if you're having trouble getting along with people who don't look like you, again, you're going to have a real hard time in heaven. A servant heart seeks to get along with the people around you in spite of what they look like. Come on, somebody. What tracks, what's out of the tracks, how much money is in their, their bank account. God has called us to be servants. You could be a CEO. That's what was going on in the early church <laughs> because the Bible says God disperses gifts as he sees fit. And so you'd have someone who was a big to-do in the community and, 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 and the gifting that they had was that of maybe a deacon or something in the church. And God would take someone who was a slave in the community and, and put a pastoral call on them. You see what I'm saying? And so God would do whatever he wants because he's God and he can. And in Christ, we are all one. Amen. He says, neither male, nor female, nor Jew, nor Gentile. I'm going to add this, no black, or white, or Hispanic, nor whatever. We are all one in Jesus, and we need to learn to get along. So practice acceptance now while you're here on this earth, because we're going to be living forever in eternity with one another. Amen? Let me give you the fourth. The, the heart of a servant will and should count your blessings. Count your blessings. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me and everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And so, I, I, I often tell people, whatever's going on in your life, things may be bad. And for some, they are bad. But listen to me, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. And if you keep focus on, focusing on what's going wrong, if you keep focusing on the negative in your life, you are going to sink. You are going to find yourself under the circumstance. My pastor used to say, when he, it always tickles him when people, when he'd ask them, my brother Donald Master, how are you doing? And their response was, well, under the circumstances, I'm not doing too well. And his response was always the same. Well, what are you doing under the circumstances? 
Get from under the circumstances. That is the story of Peter. Remember seeing Jesus coming to walk on the water? Uh, well, let's just read it in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far, uh, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. This is the Sea of Galilee. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, watch this, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost! Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. So then Peter, he gets bold. Peter calls to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And so that message, that passage in the scripture, it, it went off in my spirit in this way. Because oftentimes if we keep our eyes on Jesus, listen to me, we are able to stay above our circumstances. But just like Peter, the moment he, he, he was bold enough to step out in faith, but the, and he started to walk on the water according to the scripture, but the moment he took his eyes off of the Lord, the moment he took his eyes off the Lord, and he put his eyes on the wind and the waves and, the, and what was going on around him, what started to happen? He started to sink. And so many of us are in that same situation. Yes, you've stepped out in a marriage or in a business or you've stepped out in a career or whatever it is. And, and, and the Lord is telling you to keep your eyes on me. But because of the wind and the waves and whatever's going on, the financials and, 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 and things going on in relationships, you're, you're starting to take your eyes off of him. And that's why you're sinking. That's why you're going under the circumstances. Now, my, my pastor used to say, listen, whatever is over my head is still under God's feet. Come on, somebody. And so in those situations, what did Peter do? He did the only wise thing. He called on the Lord, and the Lord didn't, didn't immediately rebuke him along those lines. Immediately he called on the Lord, as Scripture says, and it says that the that, let's find it. Then Peter called to him. He said, he started saying, Jesus immediately reached out, verse 31, and he grabbed him. And he said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt me? And he saved me. Folks, the answer to our situation is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Keep our eyes on him. And if you want to continue to build your faith, because Jesus said, the, 
You know, why did you doubt me? You have little faith. The scripture tells us how to build our faith. The scripture says the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And right after this series, we're going to be jumping into life groups. Folks, we need to spend more time in God's word so that we can feed our spirit and feed our faith so that when those situations come, we can stay in faith with him. Amen? So count your blessings. And things may be difficult, but as long as I keep my eyes on the Lord, and I've seen it over and over again, people get in situations, next thing you know, they're like, you know, they're spouting off every negative thing that happens, that's happening to them. And I promise you, what's going to follow you magnifying the negative stuff in your life, you're going to be fighting a depression. You're going to be fighting emotional issues because you are focusing on the wrong things. Things may be bad, but they're not all bad. Train your mind to focus on what is good and it's pure, and your mind and your emotions will start to follow the things that you're focusing on. Does that make sense? Lastly, if you're going to be God's servant, you're going to get to a place where you examine what's going on in your heart. Examine yourself. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Now, the Bible says God will discipline those he loves. If you belong to God, he will discipline you. And even if you don't examine yourself, if you belong to God, he, he will discipline you, okay? Uh, do a self-examination. And what are you looking for as you're examining yourself? You're looking for pride issues? Is there a need for self-promotion? Are, are there rebellion things going on in your heart? Is there, is there a tendency to make things all about what I call the big three? The, the me, myself, and I, and as you already know, that that's already a problem because Jesus sat them down on two occasions at least, and then he demonstrated by taking off his outer, count, outer garments and becoming a servant. He says, I've given you an example. I want you to do likewise with the people around you. The greatest of you, he says, will serve. If you're going to be first, and if you want to be first in my kingdom, you're going you're gonna to be last, and you're going to learn how to serve one another. You're going to be a servant leader. And so you examine yourself to see if those things are there. And if you're really going to be bold, ask God to search your heart and to point out the changes that need to take place. Psalms 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Watch this. And point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's a serious prayer. That's a serious prayer. Jesus again said, the first shall be last and the greatest among you will be servant to all. My question to you today is, are you serving? God did not just call us to come to church and to sit. 
He's gifted each and every single one of us with something. And it's not just for our own personal edification. It's for the edification of those around us. What are you doing to serve? And with that, listen, everyone has been given ministry opportunities. These are things that are going on in this church, things that we absolutely need help with. Even in the, in the nursery this morning, somebody had a slip and fall. They couldn't make it this morning. Mad scramble to try to get coverage for your children. We need some of you ladies to step up in this area and to put yourself on the on the, nurse, uh, the splash zone nursery rotation to start serving once a month. We absolutely need it. The Bible says the greatest of you will serve. We have our, we need people in the sound booth. We need we need ushers and we need greeters. We need worship leaders. We, whatever your gifts, your talents, your administration. Here are some opportunities to serve. I want you to prayerfully look at this and say, okay, I can do that. Check off what applies to you. And if there's something in your heart that's not on here, that God has put on your heart to serve, write it down. And I'll look at it as the leaders. The leaders will look at it, and we'll start doing that as well. But don't go through this life thinking it's the same as the world. Because Jesus, our very example, turned to his disciples, even the ones who were arguing, which was the great. What were you discussing? Discussing who's the greatest in, in, in the greatest among us. And then again, James and John, we want to be the top two people in your in your situation. So we had to tell them again, listen, if you want to be first, you're going to develop a servant's heart. And you are going to get to the place where you serve. And Jesus himself is our example. Amen? Amen. And so as we come to a close today, to this morning, I want to give everyone an opportunity, not just for service, but it all starts with, it all starts with your relationship with Jesus himself. Have you come to a place where you recognize that you need a savior? Or are you still out there thinking that you're kind of going to do it yourself? The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the first gift. He offers eternal life to every single one of us who will humble themselves and acknowledge that they have a need for a savior. Now, I say that because some people are in pride and they think they, they, they don't need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. The, the poor need Jesus. The rich need Jesus. People of color need Jesus. Well, I don't care what, what side of tracks you were born on, you need Jesus. Because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And what you and I deserve for our sin is death. I'm not talking about a physical death. Everybody dies physically. The death the Bible is talking about is eternally separated from the Father. But it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That if when I put my trust in him and acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I need it, and that Jesus came to, to pay the penalty 
for my sins. Jesus didn't die for his own sins. He had none. He had a calling, and he had a mission, and he fulfilled his mission of the sacrificial lamb. His blood bought salvation for every single one of us who would believe and put our trust in him. Jesus did his job. And so the gift that he offers is the gift of eternal life for all who are willing and will humble themselves and say, I need Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. Once you enter into the kingdom, he says, okay, the Holy Spirit will disperse gifts and he will give you gifts. And if you're interested in trying to figure out what your gifts are, we'll be talking about that as we continue on this year as well. But you can find out what your gift is. And many of us, you have more than one gift. And God expects you to use your gift, not just for yourself, but for each other. Did I make it up or did the Scripture say that? The, the, the Scripture teaches that. And so if you're still going through this life and you've been in the Lord for, I mean, I understand baby Christians, they don't know. You just got saved and you don't know. But if you got saved, you prayed to receive Jesus you know, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you still haven't figured out that God is, didn't, didn't just call you to sit, but to serve, they have a word for that in the, in the natural. They call it failure to thrive. You're just not growing up. Jesus said the greatest of you will serve in his kingdom. Are you serving the Lord? Prayerfully look at this paper and say, okay, Lord, where, where are my gifts best used in your kingdom? Wherever it is. It may not even be in the, in the church. There might be things that God's calling you to do outside. We used to, family, we used to take our family down to Hollywood and preach to homeless people, feed them, tell them about Jesus. Remember one time we were out there and a, a black, like a caddy pulled up, waved, he said, who's in charge here? And that, that, that day it was me. Wait, they said, can you bring him over here? And he said, I want to give this to you. He handed me $200. I said, why? He said, because I was out here two years ago, and you guys fed me. And I prayed, and I received Jesus Christ, and he has restored me, and I want to give back. So there are things that God is calling us to do, whether it's whatever it is, prison ministry, whatever it is. But it's, I promise you, just showing up on a Sunday, is, it, it, it's not all it is. It's not all it is to it. And he wants you to use whatever gifts he's given you, talents, abilities, for the furtherance of his kingdom. Are you allowing yourself to be interrupted for his glory, for the glory of other people? And so as we come to a close, if that's you today, if you've not yet accepted Christ, be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. But also let me challenge you this Are you allowing God to develop in you a servant's heart? 
we'll leave it there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if this is you, say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to come into my heart. From this day forward, I humbly bow before you. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me three days later, rising from the dead. And because you live, I will live as well. And for everybody else, say, don't stop here, Lord. Show me what my gift, gift or gifts are. And this year, I want to make you first place by becoming the servant leader you've called me to be. Show me what it is and help me to find a place of service to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.